You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Seminoles. Happy Friday, everybody. It's your boy Drake here, and since it's Friday, you know what the deal is. You know what time it is. It is time for Know Your Foe Syracuse Edition. And today, we have a very, very special guest. We are joined by the one and only Mr. Tyler Aki of Locked On Syracuse. Quite frankly, there is nobody out there right now on the beat who knows the ins and outs of Syracuse basketball and football better than my man Tyler. And we discuss X's and O's, which QB we should be worried about come Saturday, which defensive players, and quite frankly, this defense as a whole, what we should be scared of going into Saturday. And also, if Syracuse fans, how they feel about Syracuse football, whether it's actually something they can get behind, or is it simply a distraction until basketball season. But, don't let me hold you guys back any further. Here is myself and Tyler Aki for our Know Your Foe series on Locked On Seminoles. Fellas, take it away, my guys. All right, guys, it is your boy Drake here. Thank you for the wonderful, wonderful introduction. I am here now with Tyler Aki of Locked On Syracuse, also the coach for Thursdays on Locked On ACC. Tyler, what's going on, my guy? What's up? You know, Drake, it's funny because everyone, like, they call you Drizzy. And I was like, all right, like, he kind of looks like him. No. Like, you could go out in Miami right now, and you could be mistaken for Drake. (laughs) I'm buying in now. Oh, Lord. My co-host is going to hate you saying that because it gets me me this big ego head. My boy Cameron, I know, is going to be listening to that this probably tomorrow morning. He's like, like, damn, these people, you know, giving this man's big ego. But enough about me. You're welcome. Thank you for the compliment, though. Thank you. That's really, really kind of you. But let's talk about the the mail. I know. Oh, yeah, you know. You know. I'll get I'll get you a signed copy, sir. If I love her boy too, but <laughs> let's talk about the game this weekend because it's kind of you know a game that's gonna be very. I think it's gonna be the most interesting game of the weekend. It's gonna be show us you know whether or not Dino is actually turning around the culture and turning around back to you know your program being very well, or it might tell us you know hey over here at FSU that we can maybe win some games or maybe this season's gonna be a lot worse than we thought. But before we get into that, I kind of want to get your perspective because Syracuse primarily has been known as a basketball school with Jim Beheim, with Carmelo Anthony, Jerry McNamara. I kind of want to know, what is your guys' thoughts? Like, how do you guys treat football when you guys enter the season? Do you, is it just something that keeps your time going into basketball season or is it something that you guys actually fully, fully, you know, are behind? If the football team can get us to mid-October, a little bit of excitement, a little bit of amp, get us to the Orange Madness night, we're good. We're good. Like that, that, that to me is the barometer every single year. Just give me a basketball season, man. Because I don't like, I wish Syracuse was more of a football school. I think everyone wishes it was more like the old days where there was some sort of legacy. And I mean, if you look up the most NFL hall of famers, Syracuse is, I think like top five right now in most hall of famers in the NFL. Like that's a crazy stat. I think they just matched uh, Alabama this past season or something like that. But that's crazy. I did not know that. It's unbe- like there is legacy there, but there isn't recent legacy. And that's the problem. So as much as I'd love to see more football vibes up in up in Syracuse, it's just not there right now. But if they get us to basketball season, we're in a good spot. That's kind of nice to hear, though, because I know ACC is a basketball conference, you know, school for I mean, conference first. And we see it with UNC, we see it with Duke. So then I kind of want to ask you, what's the 
I guess, your perception or the student-athlete perception of head coach Dino Babers because we all know he had the one year back in, I think, 2016 or 2017 where he went – he won, like, mm-hmm. 10 games and beat Clemson. Yeah. But then since then, like, he's been perpetually on the hot seat. And a lot of us thought that – I mean, me included, that he was going to be fired heading into this year. Yeah, I think the, the big thing is after he had that 10-win season a couple of years ago, he signed a new contract. And attached to that contract is a monster buyout. And coming through a pandemic, universities and athletic departments just can't pay that right now. I think we've seen it with a number of sports where, okay, we let the head coach survive through 2020 just because we didn't want to pay that sort of buyout, right? And that's, I think, the case that happened with Dino to a degree. And as we move now into 2021 and what we've seen out of him, I mean, he had really lost the fan base through those first handful of games, especially after that Rutgers game. people were really down because his game plan wasn't great. You've got an all American level back. It looks like with Sean Tucker and you only gave him the ball 13 times and he was going for over five and a half yards of carry against that Rutgers defense. So that was a little perplexing to a lot of fans, but then this past game against Liberty, everyone, there was a kind of a, a tune switch a little bit because he put together a masterful game plan. And that's the thing is, in the past couple of seasons, like you think about, okay, the 10 win season, great year, right? Then the year before that you beat Clemson the year before that you beat a ranked Virginia tech team. There was promise. There was hope with the program. And then after you get that 10 wins, you go five and seven, one in 10 all. And there's no splash wins in there to have some sort of semblance of progress for the program. People will start to turn on you, right? I mean, yeah. his, his regular season record is not good. It's not good. So, and his ACC record too is not great either. So to me, at the beginning of the year, I understood why he was still the head coach. And I I think he's got a very good relationship with the athletic director, John Wildhack as well. But at the end of the day, he is still coaching for his job this year. This thing goes really South after that big win against Liberty. A lot of the same questions are going to come up and I don't think he will be the head coach of Syracuse. If he does take a nosedive, these final games. So then what is the standard then for him to keep his job, I guess, you know, moving forward? Because, I mean, he is like – your record's like what right now? It's three and one. So then is your is, – to me, I thought that you guys, if he hit six wins, if he got to a bowl game, like to me that oh, yeah. would have solidified his job perfectly fine. Like is that what you guys want? Because, I mean, you did say earlier that how as long as you get to Orange Madness, you guys are – you're fine. Just get the basketball season. But, like, so what exactly is the standard for Dino Babers to be able to keep his job heading into 2022? The standard is for, I mean, I don't think you can put a number of wins on it. You just need to see progress, which we haven't seen a lot of since that 2018 10 win campaign. And if, if I had to put a number of wins on it, and this is going to sound outlandish to you as someone who watches Florida state football year in and year out, if this team gets four wins, he's going to be the head coach next season. He with a four win season. He will be the head coach next year. Seriously. Like that's what, that's how it is. And I was talking about this with, with Tim on our show earlier today too. It was like, man, like things are, are tough sledding at, at Florida state now. Like, can you imagine what they're thinking? If they potentially go Oh, and five I was like, Oh, and five is a terrible standard at Syracuse. Imagine what it's like at Florida state where there is a ton of recent football pedigree, not too far removed from actually winning uh, a national championship too. So for Syracuse to, to have these low standards and just seeing what's happening at Florida state right now, it kind of blew our minds. Like, damn, like this is what's going on right now. What's up guys. Drake here. 
Sorry to pull you guys away from the wonderful interview we had with Tyler Rocky today regarding Syracuse, but we would be remiss here on Lockdown Seminoles without discussing the best protein bar out there, and that was Built Bar. Did you know that Built Bar has over nine delicious flavors? Y'all already know I rock with the Terry Barcia. Y'all know that Max be repping the peanut butter brownie, and Dave is the salted caramel guru, but they also have coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, and low-key, the cookies and cream, oof. It hits the spot. So head on over to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your first order. That is LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, Built Bar, the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. And if it's good enough for them, it's even better for you. Now back to the interview. Yeah, and it's really funny that we're like, because I, I feel these teams are so similar and they're both their strengths and their weaknesses that, how one team is 0-4 and one team is 3-1. and And the schedules, I mean, like we played a Wake team that was probably the yeah. best team in the schedule so Not far. Not comparable. Yeah. Not, yeah. I mean, you guys played Liberty, who has Malik Willis, who is a quarterback at Liberty, and he is potentially a top-10 pick for the year coming up. Mm-hmm. So then let's actually move over to X's and O's. I do want to talk about offensively, you know, what, what we should be prepared for this coming Saturday. And I'm going to start with Nashawn Tucker. We can get to him in a little bit because he definitely is the – he broke out into the – he's probably the breakout star of the year. Yeah. I want to talk about Mr. Danny DeVito, sorry, Tommy DeVito, and his uh, <laughs> the quarterback, Gary Schrader. Now, mm-hmm. why I said that our two teams are very similar is that we also have a kind of cube controversy when it comes to Jordan Travis and Mackenzie Milton. You guys have things, something similar with DeVito and Schrader. Now, could you guys, could you like tell our audience a little more about that dynamic and how you guys haven't been able to settle on one specific quarterback maybe until this game? Yeah, so I think you have to, you have to take a little history lesson here for it to all sort of make sense. Tommy DeVito is the first prize recruit that Dino Babers brought in. A four-star guy, elite 11 participant. He is like the, the prototypical golden child recruit that this program was really looking for. And they thought there was going to be a great succession plan once Eric Dungy graduated that, oh, we're actually going to move on to a more talented guy now. And we're seeing this high-flying offense. Sign me up for that. This might be a run of five, 10 years of, of really good Syracuse football. And it's been far from that. So Tommy really struggled that next season. And he struggled in his limited time before he got injured in the 2020 season as well. So during this past winter, Syracuse went out and got this transfer, Garrett Schrader, who was at Mississippi State. Then his head coach got fired. In came Mike Leach and, and Schrader, also a former four-star guy, got moved to wide receiver because he didn't fit in with what Mike Leach wanted to do. So he decided to transfer after four games. Syracuse scoops him up. And then there's this quarterback battle going on. Schrader's a dual threat guy. Tommy's more of a traditional pocket passer. And that has been the big dilemma of what will, what kind of suits Syracuse best because we've seen the success that Syracuse has had with the dual threat guy. Now you get into the season. Garrett Schrader has not looked very good. Tommy DeVito entered the season as the starter. He played every single meaningful snap of that first game against Ohio. And it kind of felt like, all right, this seems like it's going to be Tommy's team for the remainder of the season. Fast forward to week two and Dino had scripted out Garrett Schrader's debut of meaningful snaps. He decided he was going to put him in right before halftime. So he got three drives right before the half. I don't know about you, Scripting someone's debut in a game like that, especially because it was zero zero at the time, it was a close game. It wasn't like it, it was a blowout. Scripting someone's debut doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense, especially at the quarterback position, especially against the power five opponent. So that happened. Garrett, very underwhelming during his time. Didn't look comfortable back there, loud feet, 
overthrowing, making a lot of really risky throws. Fan base was like, okay, I think we've seen who our guy needs to be. It's got to be DeVito, even though DeVito hasn't shown us a whole heck of a lot. That's obviously still looks like the better option. Then you get to the Albany game, FCS opponent. DeVito goes out there for the first three drives. Looks really good. Garrett takes over for the rest of the, the game. All right. And then this is where the, the climactic part comes in. It seems like Tommy DeVito is the starter because Garrett did not look very good against an FCS team. Okay. It seems like DeVito's the starter. And then out of nowhere, two hours before the kickoff of the Liberty game, rumors start to circulate that Garrett Schrader is going to start this game. And what do you know? First drive out there, it's Garrett Schrader. He takes every single snap. And not only did he take every single snap, and, and you'll appreciate this too because of what happened week one with your team, but there was a play where Schrader's helmet came off. So what does that mean? He's got to come off for a play. And that, of course, worked wonders for, for your Florida State squad in week one against uh, Notre Dame. But instead of bringing in DeVito for a play, Dino elected to call a timeout so Tommy DeVito would not come in to the game. And that's where you started to see things short, sort of shift. And Dino has said time and time again, the better player from the previous game will be the starter. I don't think he told the, the truth of that from the Albany game into the Liberty game. I don't think Garrett Schrader was the better quarterback. So it's, inter- it's going to be interesting to see who trots out there. I think it'll be Garrett Schrader, but my gut tells me we will see Tommy DeVito in this game. That sounds like that sounds like the plot the plot line of a soap opera that I used to watch with my mom. Yeah, it's like a, a Friday Night Lights stuff right there. So I, I expect to see Garrett Schrader out there. I don't, I don't think Tommy's very happy with the decision that came down uh, to lose the starting job, and especially the way that it all transpired with them going out and picking up a pretty significant win, probably the best Syracuse win since 2018. So. Uh, I think it's a, it's a really interesting situation. Tommy's got the better arm. Garrett's got the better legs. And I think against Florida state, I'd much rather go with the quarterback. That's got the better arm. Right. Am I, am I wrong in that regard? No, you're not wrong. Cause our, our, def- our defensive backs are just known to be, per- they play really far off the ball. And there's been some accusations where like, you know, they're, they're gallivanting, they're doing their own thing. And also like, we're not able to capitalize or be, we're not be, we're not able to cover our series very, very well. Cause I know you have like a, a really good one, Taj Harris. You have another solid wide receiver in Devon Cooper. And those are the players that, you know, I'm actually very excited to see come this Saturday. And the way you're describing this is, is, is it's really freaky how similar the, this, your quarterback dynamic is to ours. And that's what Tim and I have been saying this entire season. We've been making the comp to Florida State a number of times. How, hey, like they've had the guy come in and kind of be the spark. But is he still the true answer? And it's almost like the roles are reversed now this week because – the true spark might come if if Tommy can hit a deep ball. Garrett Schrader has missed every single one of his deep shots this season so far. So Tommy's got that capability. He's got the big arm talent, a little more accurate as well. Garrett's one of those guys, you got to cut the field in half with him and roll him out, make him play to one side of the field. Tommy's a guy who, if he's got time and if he's got protection, he can be one of the better quarterbacks in the ACC. Okay, so... Folks, if you don't know about this kid, there's one kid named Sean Tucker. He's the halfback right now, the starting running back for Syracuse, and he is the probably the he's probably going to be the best running back in the ACC in a few years if Jameer Gibbs wasn't here. So I want to ask you because he has put up lights out numbers against opponent, 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 except for Rutgers. He actually rushed for less than yeah. sixty yards against his only Power Five opponent, 
And we have probably a top 15, maybe top 10 rushing defense in the country with Jermaine Johnson, Kier Thomas. So then how do you see Dino Babers, you know, queuing up or scheming up a way to maybe make some holes for um, Sean Tucker? And then also maybe potentially if those aren't available, maybe opening up something in the passing game for either Tommy or Garrett, whoever's starting. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting question because that Rutgers game, I mentioned he had, what do he have? 54 yards, I think he had, but it was on 13 touches and, and Dino admitted I should have given him the ball more, especially since the game never got much further. I think the the largest, I mean, the final score was 17-7. That was the largest margin of, of, of a lead that Rutgers had. So it was always close. That that was a game that he should have gotten the ball more, right? Close game, just keep, and you're running at almost five yards of carry. Like, why not keep feeding the guy? It, it didn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense from, from a Syracuse standpoint. So to me, with Sean Tucker, he can be utilizing the passing game as well off of screens. That's something that's been added to his arsenal this season. So um, I wouldn't be surprised to see if if that happens, if they start to get him more involved in, in the passing game as well. Another little, little tidbit here is the Florida State defensive makeup is very similar to what Rutgers defensive makeup was in that you can get into the backfield, tackles for loss, sacks, all that stuff. You're going to make life difficult on offensive lines. Syracuse doesn't have a great offensive line right now. It's something that I think Florida State can exploit. But I do think if Dino and and the offense continues to feed Sean Tucker, he can expound on those numbers that he had against Rutgers. Even though it looks bad, it wasn't nearly as bad as it shows. He just should have gotten the ball a lot more. Is the offensive line because we are the reason our offensive line for the for the year and like Max one of one of our co-hosts like was discussing with me like our injuries our offensive line have just decimated you know we don't we're, we were without our starting center we were without our starting left tackle and right tackle for a little bit as well as one of our right guards and another player transferred out is your offensive line solely you know due to injury being that poor or is just simply they're just not you know power five level offensive linemen and and like has it been has it been something you know just to just this year or has it been you know over the course of the past few years. Yeah, it's been a theme the past couple of years. And it's funny, you mentioned, oh, the health of Florida State's offensive line. This team has actually gotten, Syracuse that is, has gotten healthier on the offensive line. <laughs> and it's getting better. Like, don't get me wrong. It's not good, but it is certainly getting better. Their left tackle, Matthew Bergeron, has shown great strides this year. He's one of PFF's highest graded left tackles in the country. Um, but it's certainly a work in progress. And I think Sean Tucker, a lot of what he does is yards after contact. He's a bruiser. And I kind of relate him a little bit to a David Montgomery type where he's not going to blow you away with his speed. Like he's not going to have a 70 yard touchdown. He's just not fast enough to do that. Guys are going to catch up to him, but he's going to break through and fall forward. Every run that he has is going to feel like it's going for five or six yards. So he's just going to try to win that battle of attrition against you. And that to me is what separates him and makes him a good back is you can feed him 25, 30 times a game. He's going to have 130, 150 yards every single game. If you just keep feeding them. What's up guys, Drake here. Sorry to interrupt this interview one more time, but it would be, I would just feel so bad if we let y'all go out of here without hearing from our friends over at betonline.ag. Betonline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action, whether it be NHL, which hits the ice in a few weeks NBA, same thing as well. MLB playoffs are just right around the corner. UFC and also 
college football is in full swing. As you know, as this recording, our show lock just cashed UVA plus four and a half and money line sprinkle. Folks, Mandy's are terrible. The Hurricanes are bad. And honestly, it is wonderful to know. So head on over to bellline.ag and use promo code locked on to get 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's a 5-0% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using the promo code locked on. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And after you're done at BetOnline.ag, head on over to Prize Picks. Prize Picks, folks, is the one-stop shop for all your fantasy action. If you were like me and like, and like making prop selections, whether it be over-under on strikeouts, home runs, total bases, or if you're more of a college football fan, you do receptions, touchdown casters, Prize Picks is the is the game for you. You pick two to five players on an over-under, as I was saying earlier, and quite honestly, it's a great time. It's always a way to, you know, juice it up a little bit, enjoy your Saturday or Sundays, or even, you know, during the weekdays if you just are trying to find something to do. So download it at prizepicks.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, through the App Store or online. Price Picks, the daily fantasy app, which makes sports easy and fun. And speaking of a uh, tough, well-conditioned defenses, your defense actually this season has played uh, out of your shoes and pretty well. I think per F plus, you're number 40, you're 48th in the country, S&P plus, you're 43rd, and 18th overall in PFF with almost a top 20 rush defense. Could you tell us, explain us a little bit about that? Because, I mean, y'all were, last year were 110 for a reason. So I kind of want to know exactly, like, what was the, uh, what exactly was the transformation with that defense coming into this year? I'll tell you this with, with this Syracuse defense, they're playing at the exact same level as they were a season ago. The reason why the numbers look so bad from a season ago was because the offense was so bad. It was three and out after three and out after three and out Syracuse's defense held them in games for usually two and a half to three quarters. At a certain point, you just get too tired at a certain point. You can only do so much. And that's what happened with this team. They got pushed to a certain limit where they just could not fight anymore. And they finally broke. And that's why the numbers look so much worse than they really are. This year's unit, the offense has played well enough or from a time of possession standpoint to not completely soil what the defense is doing. And part of the thing, the reason why I'm so impressed with the defense this year, a big hallmark of Dino Babers defenses is that they're going to really rely on turnovers Syracuse has gotten one meaningful turnover all season long and they've still played this well, stopping the run, stopping the pass. If if they listen, don't get me wrong. They might be two and two now without a a turnover that they got last week against Liberty, where they forced a fumble late in the game that set up the game winning field goal. But they've been doing a lot of this with just pure defense as opposed to trying to force turnovers. And to me, that's a sign of a really talented unit. They've got a really good pass rush this year. Two guys in the, I think, the top 10 in the country right now in sacks. So you've got like all these guys that are finally getting to the quarterback. And that's been a problem with the Syracuse team. You've seen the pressure stats look really good, but finally the sack stats are looking really good. And that is something that they're getting to the quarterback and they're making life a lot easier for these linebackers and these defensive backs. God, it is really horrifying for you to say that one of the big things that Syracuse defense really relies on is very good at is getting to the quarterback and, you know, registering sacks. Because I think I, I think the kid's name is what Cody Roscoe. I think he's second in the and behind Jermaine Johnson with the set with six sacks. And he's only behind him by, I think, what, a second and a half a sack. Cody Roscoe. 
He's a backup. What? He's a backup on this team. Yeah. Like he, he came in because Kingsley Jonathan has battled through injuries and Kingsley's a very talented pass rusher in his own right. And, and Cody Roscoe has come in, played spectacular on defense. Caleb Okachukwu come in, played spectacular on defense. Marlo Wax is a great edge rusher at linebacker for this team. They've got guys that can find the quarterback, and they've got depth on the defensive line, which is something they have never had during Dino Baber's time. It, what happened is Syracuse's entire defensive line coming back this year is all fifth and sixth year guys. So he was just kind of phased out, and they play a 3-3-5. So there's only going to be three down linemen in that formation. And Roscoe was a a grad transfer from McNeese state right before the start of the 2020 season. He obviously gets the two years out of that because of the pandemic free waiver for everyone. So he plays, he's just kind of stuck in a bad situation there. He came in knowing he was probably going to be a backup and he's played that backup role really, really nicely this season, him. And then Caleb Okachuk was a a younger guy who's just trying to break through right now. Woo. That does not make me feel good at all whatsoever because our offensive line right now is, as I was saying earlier, it's being held pretty much by duct tape. And then I kind of wanted to ask, what about the back seven? When it comes to, you know, your your linebacking core, your cornerbacks. So how can, because I know for a fact that we're going to try to exploit or try to implement a kind of a passing, a balanced passing attack with their running game this weekend. It's like, do you expect, you know, us to try to take advantage of maybe your weaker corners or also maybe take advantage of your linebacking core? Who's your smartest quarterback? Go McKenzie Milton. Okay. That's who should be your quarterback this week because you've got youth across the board in that secondary. Four of the five guys are sophomores or younger. And you got a true freshman on one side, albeit a very talented one in Deuce Chestnut. The other side, you've got Garrett Williams, who is a redshirt sophomore, probably going to be a first round pick, maybe early second round pick in the NFL draft this year. He's been really, really strong. And then the safeties, you've got freshmen, redshirt freshmen, um, redshirts, like just a lot of youth back there. If you've got a smart quarterback that knows how to look off guys and knows how to take advantage of guys that are going to gamble because Syracuse's defensive backs do a lot of gambling. They're going to bite on a lot of stuff. If you've got a smart quarterback that can take advantage of that stuff, you have a chance against that Syracuse secondary, but Again, the secondary is uber talented with what they have. I mean, there is NFL talent across that secondary, which has started to become a staple of what Syracuse does defensively. They just put three guys in the NFL this past season. So then that's interesting you say that too, because like my, well, we asked the past two uh, guests that we had on here for Wake and Louisville was which quarterback they would prefer to see. Now, I know you say that, you know, who's the smarter quarterback. I think both Mackenzie Milne and Jordan Travis are extremely talented, especially when it comes to, Mackenzie Mill with an intermediate and deep throws. And also when Jordan Travis, like when Jordan Travis knows whether he wants to pass throw the ball, there's no one actually on our team. And maybe in the conference that can beat him with doing that is which with your scheme, which one would you be more prepared to face? Would it be a Mackenzie Mill, you know, in his state right now or Jordan Travis with both his deep threat and also his legs? I think I'd be a little bit more afraid of Travis because that is kind of like what Malik Willis was from last week for uh, against Syracuse. And I mean, he didn't get the win, but Malik Willis played a really, really strong game, especially in that second half. He was connecting on some deep balls. He was making some plays with his legs as well. So I'd be a little bit more afraid of Jordan Travis if that's the case. But as long as you've got a high football IQ at quarterback, you're going to give yourself a really good shot against the Syracuse defense. I'm starting to feel a little more confident in this game. I'm not going to lie to you, Tyler. This, the, the, I, I said earlier this <laughs> That's what week. what I'm here for. Uh, no, I saw I said earlier this week, and I also said on Lock Nation that I feel that this is probably the only game, I think, even on Tuesday, where I'm like, you know what? 
this might be the bet the game that we have the best shot of winning all year. So before you know we get the prediction to get you out of here, I do want to ask because for some reason, offensively and defensively, there's one player from each you know side of the ball on the opposing team that just has our number. Which one would you I guess pick for each? Obviously, I think you know Sean Tucker's gonna be the one for offense. Let's just, you know focus more on defense. What player do you think on defense is gonna be a name we hear a lot come Saturday? Michael Jones, I think. I mean, what he does defensively, he flies all over the field. He's got a nose for the football. You know, it's funny. Eric McClain from the ACC Network, he did his top five at each position in the offseason. And he put Michael Jones at safety, which everyone was kind of like, what? Like, you put him as like the fifth best safety in the ACC? What, like, what are you doing, Eric? And he's like, no, he's just too good of a player. I, I couldn't leave him off any of these lists. And it's just like, okay, well, first of all, if he's not good enough to make your top five linebackers, can he really be that good of a player to not leave off your list? But he's starting to show that, A, he's a top five linebacker in the ACC, and B, I mean, just the way that he gets the football, I believe he was one of the the top turnover getters from a season ago in the entire country. Um, And his nose for the football, he can hit you, force fumbles, he can... uh, get some picks too. He's got some pretty good hands. He's got speed and he's a really sure tackler as well. So then Tyler, what are Dino El Bambino's Dino Babers keys to victory for this coming Saturday? What do, what does, what does, what does Tyler Aki of locked on circus need to see to in like, you know, we're going to win this game today. And also what is your final game prediction? I think you got to win the first quarter, but I think this Florida state team mentally is in a really bad spot right now because Oh, and four, if you get punched in the mouth in that first quarter against Syracuse, they're really, I think, going to start to reel, and you might see them start to quit on the entire season. Uh, it's that it's at that point with Florida State. So I think you got to win the first quarter. And B, the Syracuse team is going to have to hit a couple deep shots. If they don't do that, I don't know if they're going to be able to go toe-to-toe with this Florida State team the whole game because if they miss on the deep shots, that every time they miss on a deep ball is going to be a pump of oxygen in to the confidence of Florida state, because that is the one thing that Syracuse has not been able to do this year. And if they cannot do that against Florida state, I think they're just going to feel like, Oh, well, that's something that we thought they might be able to do against us that we're kind of taken away now. And if Syracuse can't hit any of them, which they haven't had a lot of success with. And that's part of why I think we're going to see Tommy DeVito in this game. Cause he's a much better deep ball thrower. If that doesn't happen, then I don't think Syracuse will win this game. I don't think Syracuse is going to win the game. I think that Florida State is going to take this one by a field goal. Um, I saw the the spread on betonline.ag, four and a half. Seemed a little fishy to me. I, I don't think you can, in good faith, give Florida State four and a half points right now. I don't think in good faith you can give them anything more than a field goal right now. But um, I am going to take Florida State to win this one by three. I'm really, really glad you said that you need to win the first quarter. And because you think this team's going to quit. If you had asked me that and said that a year ago and two years ago, I would agree with you. The only thing is, I think we saw a different Florida State team against Louisville. Granted, in the second half, in the second half. Yeah. And like, that's a team that two years ago, hell, even under Jimbo's last year would have gave up on that game and be like, you know, we're down 31 to seven at this point. Why should we even bother? And they were able to limit. I don't even really care if Louisville get off the gas a little bit. Did they? Kind of, but also they try to salt, salt away the game and they weren't even able to get that effect that because they allowed zero second half points. So to me, I'm agreeing with you. I also think that FSU is going to win this game. 
But I'm also in agreement that in full transparency, I did take Syracuse plus four because <laughs> this is going to be a game that while I think we're going to win and we're going to be in control of the game for most of the day, is this game is going to come down to the wire, and I wouldn't be surprised if it comes down to a missed field goal, probably primarily by your kicker, or maybe a drive that ends in turnover on downs. That's how I see yeah. Saturday night playing because that's the kind of game and the kind of win that actually McNamara is going to be able to sell. And quite honestly, that might be even better than a blowout, in my personal opinion. Interesting. Um, I think another thing that's worth noting with these two teams, two of the most undisciplined teams in the ACC. And it could come down to penalties. Syracuse patched some things up against Liberty and they did not have nearly the amount of penalties that they're accustomed to. So if they, if whichever one of these teams can be the more disciplined team, I think that's going to also play a big factor. I agree with that. And one of the big things that we saw, we, Mike Novell had, had a, had hired refs for over the summer practices to help limit penalties. He got away from that except for the past two games, sorry for the Louisville game. He brought them back. We only had three penalties. One of them was that BS um, unnecessary roughness call where Malik Cunningham was still in bounds. I will go to my grave saying that was a horrible call. And he brought him back again this week. So hopefully he'll be able to keep the penalty yards very little. Folks, thank you guys so much for listening. Tyler, can you please let the people know you know where to find you, where to follow you at? Yeah, you can find us locked on Syracuse every single weekday, Monday through Friday. We're on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. And you can find myself at Tyler Aki underscore. That's Tyler A-K-I underscore. And for Tyler, this is Drake. Folks, we will see you on Monday on Locked on Seminoles. God's plan. God's plan. God's plan, baby. <laughs>